Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. This is the Instant Reaction Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. Another happy recap for the 49ers. It is 36 to 9 beatdown of the New York Giants. And I am very happy to say that on this Instant Reaction Podcast, I'm joined by Levin Black, who's calling in from an undisclosed location. Levin, thank you very much. I think this is the first time you're ever happy to talk to me. Fair. Normally, you're insulting me. You know what it is? I'm so euphoric <laughs> after the 49ers win that I'm just being nice to everybody for a change. But I mean, you know, in a game where the 49ers were basically playing their backups, my biggest complaint is their long snapper. And that's honestly <laughs> like, that's where we are right now. It was an incredible day for the 49ers. We'll get to the long snapper. We'll get to everything. But the biggest headline coming out of this game, I feel like, Levin, is going to be Nick Mullins. 25 of 36, 343 yards, had a touchdown. 108.9 quarterback rating. Uh, I think the numbers make him look a lot better than he was, but he didn't do anything wrong today. This is going to just fuel all the people that are the anti-Jimmy people, the people that are looking for reasons to create a controversy. It's really just, you know, you got to strap in if you're a Niners fan because it's coming. You know, when you put up 300 plus yards and you don't have an interception and your team wins it easily, even though it was not against a good team, the Giants are going to compete with the Jets for the worst team in the league, I think. But that creates a controversy. It's coming. <laughs> Just strap on, strap well, that's, in. That's stupid. That's stupid. The Giants are terrible. Nick Mullins was fine. Honestly, I don't think he did anything in the game that Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't have done. I think if Garoppolo was in the game, it would have been the exact same stat line, to be honest with you. And that's not to take anything away from Mullins, but I just think that's the way the system is set up. And he he was fine. He made a couple of good throws over some defenders, dropped in a couple of throws, didn't take a lot of sacks. He was only sacked twice on the day. But the idea now that because Nick Mullins had a good game against the New York Giants, the 0-3 pathetic, terrible New York Giants, I mean, it's ridiculous. I will disagree with you on one point. I think he did do something that Jimmy has not done in the la in the first two weeks, which I think is a big part of what happened to him in week one. And that's he trusted his receivers. There were a lot of throws Nick made where he was under duress or the receiver wasn't open yet. And he just got it to him and gave them a chance to make a play. And they were making the plays. We saw in week one, Jimmy wasn't really trusting his receivers. He barely threw to him and he wasn't really throwing them in to them in week two either before he got hurt. I think Mullins knows his limitations uh, a little bit better and he's going to toss it up a little bit more. Some of those, I mean, there were multiple times where I thought Mullins was making a pass and I was going, oh no, here comes the interception. <laughs> and then it ended up being a completion. Yeah, he, he had a great game, but there were a lot of, passes that could easily be intercepted and the, the, he ended up making really good plays on those but they were the you know they're the runs off your back foot where you're not going to be able to step into it and they were just getting to the receiver just just getting past the defenders which kudos to him but is that going to really happen every game is that going to be able to continue against a better defense no probably not but it does show he was doing something that Jimmy hasn't done, but it also showed in this game, I think the limitations of Mullins. There's a reason why the Niners didn't have any real big chunk plays. There's a reason why the Niners, while they were methodical and didn't punt the whole game, their actual average yards per play went down. 
And I think that's because Mullins is limited by his physical ability and his arm to a degree, and they can't do as much. And that's why there were a lot more short, safe, easy passes. It worked, but I mean, I don't think that offense showed any greater potential than what Jimmy has. I think you, you can see that difference. Yeah, I don't mean to sound like I'm ragging on Mullins because that's not that's not my intention at all. He was fine. This is what you have a backup quarterback to do, right? Come in and execute the game plan. I thought Kyle's game plan was fantastic. He had a lot of play action to me, a lot more play action than the 49ers have run early in the season, which is obviously a help. Uh, the running game was not even good today at all, but the play action was still helping Mullins out. And they did a lot of screens, which I thought were good too. They did things that didn't put Mullins in a spot where he had to make tight throws and tight windows. And it worked out for the 49ers. I, I don't mean to criticize Mullins. I thought they did exactly what they needed to do today against a terrible team. Right. He looked, this is going to sound negative, but he looked like everything you would want in a backup. You could see some limitations, but he did really well. He knew the game plan. He executed, he was confident, but you can also see, that a better defense with time to adjust will be able to adjust to him. And there's, you know, th- there's going to be a tougher road ahead if he were to, to have to start a lot more games because defenses would start adjusting and taking away the things he does well. You know what I like today, Levin, for the first time? The leading receiver for the 49ers <laughs> was an actual wide receiver. It was so nice to see passes get to wide receivers. <laughs> Brandon Ayuk, five catches, 70 yards. He also led uh, with eight targets. Plus, he was uh, pulling a little Debo Samuel on the ground. Three carries, 31 yards. He was untouched on a beautiful touchdown run. I mean, this was the coming out party for Brandon Ayuk. And, I mean, I loved it. After the catch, he is unbelievable. It really was the second half for him. I mean, Kyle just criticized him in the post-game interview a little bit, saying that in the first half he wasn't quite running things correctly. And then he said he regretted criticizing him because people are going to run with that. But he really did a lot better job in the second half, and you saw the potential he has. And he is, once he has the ball in his hands, a monster. And that gives the Niners, I would say, four of those players. You got – Mostert is a monster once he has it because his speed is a game changer. And then you have the yak monsters and Debo Kittle and now Ayuk. The Niners offense is going to be all about, I think, getting those four guys the ball in the future. Yeah, I think that's how they game plan. Like that was the thinking when they acquired all these players and that's how they're going to execute it. And, you know, you play to your players' strengths for all this criticism of, Jimmy Garoppolo and what he can't do and how Kyle Shanahan schemes everybody open. It's like, this is what my players do well. Why would I not put them in a position to do it? So credit to everybody with the 49ers for doing that. By the way, 10 different players caught a pass from Nick Mullins today, which again, I love. Spread it around. I mean, everybody contributed. Ayuk, Bourne had some good catches. Ross Dwelly had a couple of good catches, especially (laughs) on two minutes in the first half. He had a nice catch where he broke a tackle and, and ended up running for a first down. Jordan Reed was was good early, then got hurt. We'll get to some of the some of the injuries later on. But I mean, this was a total team effort from the 49ers on both sides of the ball. Yeah, the, I mean, the tight ends really kept this offense going early because the run game was horrible until right at the end of the first half. And early on, the receivers weren't doing much either. It was Dwelly and Reed moving this offense and got them those first six points until the offense really was able to get going and figure out the things that were working. 
to me, this is the value of Kyle Shanahan. This is why you want to find that offensive head coach, especially a young guy like Shanahan. Like the whole team was out. The whole team was out today and they dominated this game. They didn't punt at all. Like just say that out loud. Backup quarterback, backup <laughs> running back, third string running back, basically. No starting wide receiver, no starting tight end. Your starting center is out. Your best pass rusher. They didn't punt the ball at all today. And that's the value of Shanahan is that you don't you don't have to have all your studs out there to be able to do well. And to me, he's shown brightest today. Yeah, and hey, maybe the blowing huge leads was, is not Kyle Shanahan. Maybe it's the Atlanta Falcons because they blew another late lead today. Two weeks in a row, they've blown a 15-point lead. So maybe that's not on Kyle. Maybe he is the perfect coach. <laughs> I've never seen a – okay, I don't want to relitigate the Super Bowl, but that's fine. But you mentioned the running game in the first half, and you're totally right. The 49ers ran 43 plays in the first half. They had the ball for twenty over 22 minutes. I mean, that's incredible. And they were only averaging 2.9 yards a carry, but I think they just tired out the Giants' D. I think they – ran circles around Joe judge and the giants coaching staff in the second half of this game. I think they, they adjusted basically. And, and the second half of the game, I thought they were, you know, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it was 1.9 yards per carry uh, right before that Wilson touchdown of, uh, I don't remember exactly how long it was, you know, 12, 13 yard rushing touchdown right at the end of the first half. Prior to that, it was every single run, McKinnon or Wilson was getting hit in the backfield and they were just getting what they could. And, you know, that is one positive takeaway. I think McKinnon looked like a difference maker. I think in a, in a different game when the block where the blocking is better, he could have had a monster game. He had a couple of huge catches that you don't see running backs capable of making them. I and they were, you know, one of them was that diving catch. Another one was, you know, having to catch one that was well behind him he looks like a difference maker that is going to have a bigger role as the season progresses. Yeah. You mentioned that play, the catch where it was behind him. I thought that was huge because it gave the 49ers a first down and it saved Kyle Shanahan from himself. He didn't have to make the decision on fourth down, whether to go for it or kick a field goal. It, and they, I think they scored on the next play after that, I believe was the IU touchdown. So I, mean, I think we know what his decision would have been there on the field goal. Do we like, do we? Cause I don't know. He was doing it again. Um, all right. So now you've, you've sent me off in different directions. Well, get, I want to, let's not get to the long snapping yet. Cause you mentioned McKinnon. Well, the, the downside, there were some injuries in this game and McKinnon was one of them. Uh, it came out of the game early with an upper rib injury. I don't know what that means. I don't trust anything. The 49ers say when it comes to injuries, 11, they always say it's not serious. And then the guy goes on IR like the next day. But you know, if, if McKinnon's injured and Mostert's injured, and Coleman's injured. Are we looking at the Jeff Wilson and, and Jamichael Hasty show next week? And maybe the Brandon Ayuk and yeah. <laughs> show. I mean, he might end up going into the backfield. I mean, who knows? I will say that nobody noticed it during the I would doubt it's a serious injury. Maybe it, I mean it could be something that he's out next week. That is possible. A rib injury, I think, is more serious for a running back than most positions because they're getting hit constantly in that area. So if he has a broken cartilage, he probably is going to miss a week. And, oh, by the way, we've already seen when guys get pain shots for rib injuries, sometimes the doctor punctures a lung, and then you have a much, much bigger problem. <laughs> um, other injuries coming out of this game. Emmanuel Mosley was concussed early on, so that's always questionable. We don't know what his status is. Uh, fortunately for the 49ers, Levin, 
Jason Verrett was incredible today. He was fantastic. Yes, he was. But I, I do think one of the things I took away from this game most doesn't have to really do with the Niners. It's that Daniel Jones ain't it. I mean, he's not it. The fact that the Niners were down their top three corners once Mosley went down and Witherspoon and Sherman were already out and he couldn't do anything. I mean, he had a terrible game, tells me he's not it. But for the Niners side of it, Verrett seemed to have a very good game. Seems like he's somebody that might push for playing time even when Mosley and Sherman are back. I mean, he looked really good. Yeah, I mean, the question with him has always been health. It's never been skill. He's a he's a great player. He's a great corner. He just never can stay on the field. So if they get anything they get out of him is gravy. You know, I I don't think the 49ers can depend on all these guys with injury histories for very long, but even short-term bursts will help. Um, Jordan Reed, excuse me, is another guy with a long injury history who was playing great, got hurt again today, Levin, trying to make a touchdown in the back of the end zone, almost almost reeled it in and pulled it off. I don't know if it was the turf or if it was just an awkward play, but he kind of rolled over his ankle, came back after that, but then left with some sort of knee aggravation on top of the ankle thing. So we don't know about Jordan Reed, which really hurts because he was looking very good. Right. I mean, the Niners got away with it this week. They had a great game plan and they were playing a bad team. If they go into next week without Jordan Reed, they're going to be in trouble, I think, off offensively. And if McKinnon, McKinnon can't play either, that might be a rough game. I mean, that, that would be the test of all tests for how good Shanahan is. You don't think Kittle will be back next week? Well, I guess you have Kittle. But <laughs> he should be back. That That is a bonus. But you still need Reed. I mean, even when Kittle was in, Reed was having some receptions there. I mean, he is a weapon. Yeah, he absolutely is. So hopefully, you know, he can come back. At least I hate to say this sounds weird, but like at least it wasn't his head, right? At least he wasn't concussed because that's the big thing with Reed. He's got seven diagnosed concussions. So at least if it's an ankle or a knee, you, you feel a little better because one more concussion could just end his career. Probably will. Yeah, I, I, one more concussion, he's done. Okay, let's go over to the defensive side of the ball now because one of the things I was impressed with was that the 49ers – Got a pretty good pass rush the whole game. They didn't get a ton of sacks. They only sacked Daniel Jones twice, but I thought they got a lot of pressure. They made him move off his spot a bunch of times. And they, I mean, some of them led to scrambles, but the D line did their job today. Yeah. Hyder looks like a steal. I mean, you can see why the defensive line coaching staff was so big on him uh, coming out of training camp. He had a huge game, but you also saw Deion Jordan had a pretty good game. He recovered that fumble and he had a sack towards the end there. And then, obviously, there's the Kinlaw. He batted it down. He was consistently causing havoc through the center. And while Armstead didn't have any big plays where his name got mentioned, I was kind of watching for him, especially in the second half. He was doing a lot of basically what DeForest Buckner used to do for the Niners in that he was the one that winning initially, creating pressure, which then allowed made the offense adjust and Daniel Jones to scramble, which then gave the other guys the opportunity to finish the deal. The only offense the Giants had all day was Daniel Jones scrambles, which continues to be a problem for the 49ers. They cannot stop mobile quarterbacks. Um, but other than that, I mean, the defense, they were fantastic in this game. I know they're missing a bunch of people, but they did exactly what they were supposed to do. And it gave me a little bit of hope that like, okay, maybe the cupboard isn't totally bare going forward. They're not going to look as good against better competition, but 
I mean, I was just blown away that the Niners basically second team could do this to another NFL team starters. Hey, we, we mentioned it in our podcast earlier before the game that Salah's got to make an adjustment. And I noticed the very first third down of the game, yes. he sent Fred Warner in on a blitz. So it looks like he's willing to get a little more creative. And like you said, when they play a better quality opponent, they're going to need that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think Salah blitzed a lot in this game and a lot in big situations like you talked about. He wasn't afraid to send the extra rusher. It didn't always result in a sack, but it did what it needed to do. And that's encouraging too, because you don't want to see them just say, oh, well, this is our system and this is how we do things. No, they didn't do that. They adjusted, they were creative. And like you said, if Salah's going to be this hothead coaching candidate, he's got to show that he can do it. And he did it today. Right. It was a good game all around, basically. Great offensive game plan, great execution, other than the run game was a little shaky, but it got going in the second half. I think part of that was the Giants got worn down. And on the defensive side, they were great pretty much all game long. There was no point in that game where I felt like the defense was playing bad. Well, there was one thing that was bad in the game, Levin. The long snapping. Kyle Nelson, (laughs) I don't know if he got hurt. I don't know if somebody stepped on his hand. I don't know if he was snapping with his other hand just for an extra challenge. I don't know what the hell was going on. He was terrible from the first time he had to snap on a Robbie Gold field goal till the last time he had to snap. He was putrid and he was on the sideline and he was completely, you could tell he had zero confidence. He was completely deflated. Kittle was going over to him, trying to pump him up. Wisnowski was going over to him, trying to pump him up. He was lost on the sidelines. It's so weird to me because the way he was acting and the way he was playing, you would think he was the kicker. I mean, you see kickers (laughs) lose their confidence and then it's over. You know, everything's thrown off. They're done. And some, some never recover from that. I've never seen a long snapper do that. I mean, I I don't want to be too critical here because I think that job is a little bit more difficult than people realize because the blocking part of it is very complicated because he's got to snap and then get his head up to start blocking. But the snapping part of it is easy. Nobody's allowed to touch you before you snap the ball. The snap should not be the problem. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was brutal. I I couldn't believe it. It was every single time. And, you know, poor Wisnowski's running back there. He had more pass attempts than punts today, (laughs) Wisnowski, which is incredible. But, I mean, look, the 49ers are lucky they didn't have to punt because that could have led to a problem on the punts as well. And and they got to get this figured out. I know after the game, Shanahan was asked about it. I think Daniel Brunskill came in and actually did one of the long snaps because it, it was so bad. They just couldn't put him out there again. And, uh, you know, that's going to be an issue because we've seen that that can be a problem. The 49ers had, what, how many long snappers last year? Three, I think, at one point because Nelson was suspended for PEDs. Like, they got to get that straightened out. It will be interesting to see because if there's somebody else on this roster, somebody who also provides true offensive line depth that is capable of handling that, that might be an answer to keeping somebody the Niners don't want to try to sneak back on the practice squad because, because of all the injuries, there's going to be the starters coming back and their replacements who looked good not having a spot anymore. And somebody that has shown at least something is going to have to be moved to the practice squad. And there are all sorts of teams out there that are going to be looking for that, looking to steal somebody. I know we texted and I think it's probably time to go here. 
But we texted during the game about McCasey. If he looks good, how do you get him back on the practice squad? Because he's not exactly somebody that the league's unaware of. I mean, he's gotten a decent amount of attention from the media. And the Giants just saw him play a little bit, and he looked good in the time he played. So are you going to be able to put him back on the practice squad? Yeah, well, here's the question. Do you cut bait on Kyle Nelson after one bad game? Is that what you're willing to do? I mean, Shanahan said after the game that uh, Justin School and McGlinchey were the two other options for long snapping. School actually did get the call on the final point after, and he uh, did a good job. I think you can push this off for at least a week. I mean, you're not getting a running back back next week. I don't think, yeah, you have Kittle coming back, but you're not making a roster spot for him. Nobody's coming off IR, really, other than maybe Debo. You can't make that decision every week. You give Nelson a chance next, and obviously the other options get a lot of practice time on snap. I saw a lot of people on Twitter, Levin, talking about Hasty 49ers Twitter because we all kind of wanted to see him, and were they trying to hide him so that they could sneak him back onto the practice squad next week? Well, Kyle put him into the game. He had two carries for nine yards. He also caught a pass. On his first play, I believe it was, they put him in the slot. It was a, just a nine-yard catch, but he looked really good. He looked super elusive to me. Like, he has wiggle that not a lot of the other 49ers running backs have. And to me, I like that. And and if you had to get rid of, say, a Jeff Wilson for this guy, I would. I, I'd think that, that he adds an element that the 49ers don't have out of the backfield. The problem is you don't know how well he knows the playbook, and it is a complicated playbook. Whereas Jeff Wilson's been here, you know what you're getting out of him, and he's capable of filling in because he has in the past. To me, if all four get back healthy, or sorry, all five get back healthy, and McCasey truly looks like he's too good to try to get back on the practice squad, which I think the jury's still out on that. Three plays doesn't answer that question to me, even though he showed potential. If all five are back healthy, and you don't think any of them will make it to the practice squad, to me, it's Coleman. Cut bait. Because he doesn't have a future, I think, on this team. He's a free agent after this year. You're going to have Mostert in the future, and you, you're going to probably have McKinnon in the future, even though he's going to be a free agent as well. I think he's willing to come back on a cheap deal. And then you have Wilson and McCasey, who you can keep for a while still. You, you don't want to let a McCasey go and have all those controllable cheap years that an undrafted rookie brings because he wanted another eight games or whatever it ends up being for Coleman. Yeah, you're right. Controllable and cheap is exactly what the 49ers need, especially as they start sort of stacking up these long-term contracts. Um, but Kyle has his guys. I mean, you know, Kyle has his favorites that he likes. He likes bringing guys from Atlanta. You know, they just brought in Sanu, obviously, He's got favorites, and he doesn't seem inclined to want to get rid of Tevin Coleman anytime soon. Then somebody needs to talk to him because I, I don't think it's any question. I think if you did a poll on this and you got an honest take from all the media members that cover this team and fans, it would be almost unanimous that Coleman is the bottom. Tevin Coleman is a bottom. You heard it from Levin, from Levin Black. <laughs> um, and it's not just because he went to IU, okay? Yeah, I might be a Purdue fan. It's not just because he went to IU. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was just, I mean, the, the just disgust from Giants fans on Twitter during this game was absolutely <laughs> incredible. The 49ers have 8,000 people. Even the Eagles fans are starting to chime in now, you know, <laughs> ripping their own team saying the 49ers have everybody out. And I think it shows that Kyle Shanahan did a good job, you know, not being woe is me this week, pumping these guys up, showing them that, Hey, you know, we can still do this. And I mean, look where they are right now, Levin. They're two and one. You know where the the Rams are that everybody said looks great? Two and one because they lost to Buffalo. I mean, if Seattle loses and it, like the everything is is right there for the 49ers in terms of the division right now. Yeah, they just gotta survive till they get healthy. I mean, assuming they get healthy, you never know with this team really, but there's a good chance that they could be four and one and be looking at having your Debo, your Ayuk, your Mostert your Jimmy, everybody back and really having this offense come together. And I think if the offense gets fully healthy, it's not that they can be a really good offense because they already are a really good offense. I mean, they averaged almost 30 points last year. They could be a a totally dominant offense to the level that you saw with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. I mean, this is an offense that could put up 33, 34 points per game on average. The swings from this season have been incredible, right? Like week one, <laughs> oh, we're terrible. Week two, well, we kicked the Jets, at, but everybody's hurt, so now I don't know. And then we beat the Giants to a bloody pulp, and now everyone's back on the train again. I mean, even I'm going through it right now. I mean, I still stand by my Super Bowl comment that I think their Super Bowl hopes are dead, but, I mean, this is still going to be a hell of a regular season. Can I just say that all these injuries help one thing? And that's me winning that bet that nobody gets to a thousand yards. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's the silver lining of all this for me. It's like, well, they can survive no harm, no foul. They're not losing games. And it at least makes me winning that bet a lot easier. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like there seems to be some sort of like out clause or something. (laughs) Although you also never picked any steaks because you refuse to eat a ghost pepper because you're a big wimp. (laughs) <laughs> and so I don't even know what the point of this bet is. Well, we'll, we'll come up with stakes. How about that? We'll, we'll have our bet decided on for the gold standard pod this week. How about that? All right. He wants to decide the bet after. Unless, unless you're trying to get out of this. No. Already. No. I won't get out of it because I think most of it could have a couple of games where he makes up for it and just has like, if he has like a couple of 200 yard games, they'll put him right back on track. Um, <laughs> he's got to actually play for that though. But okay. So a happy day in 49er land. There were a couple more injuries, but hopefully nothing too, too serious. They play the Eagles next week who, who tied the Bengals today. I mean, the Eagles are as low as they can get right now. I mean, I don't, I don't even know. I came downstairs, honestly, to start taping this pod. When I left, the Eagles were in position to kick a winning field goal in overtime. I don't even know what happened, but somehow they ended up tied. I don't know that that Eagles team is, as bad as, I mean, worst case scenario for them, they're in it. Wentz looks awful. Wentz does not look like a franchise quarterback suddenly. And the rest of the team is not picking up the slack at all. You know, it's funny. We talked to JTL Sullivan last week and he was talking about, you know, Jimmy might miss some throws, but he's not having these crazy accuracy issues like Carson Wentz. I'm watching that game today. That dude's missing guys that are wide open, like wide open. I don't know what's going on with him, but this is the perfect time to play the Eagles. Yes. Hopefully he doesn't find his juju or whatever you want to call it, because when he was 
before his injuries happened, he was looking like the MVP of the league, the future face of the league. And now look at him. I mean, there's legitimate questions on whether or not he's the future of Philadelphia now. Yeah, I mean, that would be a shame if Carson Wentz really, you know, didn't pan out and we discover that next week against the 49ers. I know I would be <laughs> just super depressed about that. All right, Levin, that's going to do it for us this week. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. I am on Twitter at Stats on Fire. Levin has a new Twitter handle in case you're looking for him on Twitter. Levin, tell the folks where you are. LT Black Niners. Figured out make it a lot more simple than everybody trying to figure out, duh, the, what? And you changed your avatar, I noticed. You have a very, very svelte, sexy <laughs> headshot that you have put in as your avatar. Yeah, you know what? I like a logo. I don't like having my mug out there. But if I'm being honest, the whole reason behind that was I think it was affecting things. People see a logo and they don't really pay attention to that account, I think. I mean, I know I don't pay a lot of attention to you, regardless of your avatar. No, you just talk to me twice in a week. <laughs> I get paid to talk to you twice in a week. Let's not forget that. All right, that's going to do it for us. For the Gold Standard Podcast, I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. He's 11 Black. Two and one, baby. 